Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Nikki Azara, an entrepreneur with a sweet tooth who created Better For You Snacks in her college dorm room. Just like me, you may have seen photos of P.S. Snacks on social media, which is the cookie and brownie dough you can eat made from chickpeas. I was curious about these snacks for my own personal use, and after reaching out to the company, I received an email from the founder herself. After exchanging a few emails, I knew I wanted to get to know Nikki a little better. This woman has such an extreme passion for her business as well as creating a product everyone can consume at any time of the day. Our conversation takes us through the steps of her product creation to starting her business and what there is to come for this boss babe and CEO. Please enjoy my conversation with Nikki. Absolutely. So what are you, is this the first time you've been to Portugal then? It is. Um, I actually studied abroad, how many years ago was that? Six years ago when I was a junior in college. Um, okay. So I studied all, I studied in Florence and I was able to travel all over Europe, but never went to Portugal. Um, so my family tries to do like one vacation together a year. It's just my sister and I and then my mom and dad. So somehow Portugal made the list this year and... <laughs> that's where we're going. So I'm excited. It's actually pretty, I mean, it's easy to get there. We're just taking a direct flight and pretty. Oh, wow. Nice. Seamless. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm very excited. Well, very well. It's in it. Like you said, it's probably hard as an entrepreneur to get away to actually have a vacation. So yes, that's <laughs> the one thing that's, you know, blessing and curse about going to <laughs> Europe. Because I, even if I do take little breaks or vacations domestically, I mean, I'm always pretty much connected, connected. whether it's yeah. laptop, phone, uh, I really never take full time off. Um, I'm bringing my laptop to Portugal. I assume I'll be working to make sure everything's fine kind of in the morning and the evening, but it will definitely force me to disconnect a little bit, which will be nice. Sure. Well, that's good. You need to do that for yourself. And I think that's kind of as a, you know, when you think about owning your own business, we always think it's so glamorous and it's like, oh, I got to work from home and I get to travel. But really, like you said, you never really disconnect. Yes, it's very true. I never fully disconnect. Um, You know, I, for me, weekends are nice because my friends are not working, but for the most part, I typically do work on Saturday and Sunday. The nice thing is that I do have the autonomy to, um, you know, kind of change my schedule as needed and fit things in when necessary. And, you know, if I don't have, if I can't work on a Monday or something comes up, then it's less of an issue than for other people. But I think there's a certain discipline that's required of entrepreneurs. Uh, I'd like to think it's, in my nature. Uh, no one ever taught me how to work from home or set a schedule, but I, I really believe that because it's very much a passion driven venture that I'm running, it helps because I I'm genuinely enjoy what I do every single day. And that says a lot. I mean, that really does says a lot, like for anybody that's working in any job that like you need to like what you're doing, but you wouldn't have started this business if it wasn't something that you were passionate about. Correct. I 
a lot of times get asked some advice, you know, what would I recommend for entrepreneurs or just people in general? And kind of laugh. I'm like, I'm only 26. I feel like I can't give, a, you know, an entire life lesson on career. Um, but the one thing I feel like I've mastered or feel very confident in advising people on is that when you find a career or pursue a job where you're actually passionate about the work that you're doing, whether it's the day to day or kind of the greater purpose of your role, I really just think it's transformative. It makes your day to day much more enjoyable. It kind of has this uplifting nature to what is typically a chore or a job or something that you may dread every day. Um, I have a lot of friends that kind of live for the weekend and it's nice to see that there's others that have found such passion and inspiration in what they do. And it's more of a holistic and balanced lifestyle. And that's truly, it is, but like you, it's trans, it is transformative. I like how you called it transformative because I don't think a lot of people, I don't think of it that way. And I don't think a lot of other people think about that in being something that's good that changes your life in a positive way. Exactly. Yeah. So I remember even, so my mom was actually the breadwinner of our family. My dad was a stay at home dad for most of my childhood. And I just remember her even when we were younger saying, you know, just try and find something that you're passionate about. She's in financial services and she's extremely good at her job. But I think that she's always been kind of lacking the passion and the actual content of the work that she does each and every day. Um, so again, it's, there's something to be said about finding something you love to do. And then it really does not feel like a job. Amen to that. I think we're all looking for that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, so let's kind of talk about just your, your past. I mean, kind of, you know, you went to school, you did, you did the work, but you ended up where you are right now. And I know you're young, but there's a reason why you ended up with what you're doing. So why don't you take me back to college and kind of how you've transformed into being an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Um, So I think, you know, I, I remember reading an article one time about is entrepreneurship a gene or is it kind of in your DNA? Is it something that you learn? I don't know the answer, but from personal experience, I think that it's definitely someone in my DNA. Uh, looking back, I always tried to find not the easy way out, but really the way out of a corporate job where I had to sit at a desk, <laughs> anything from a 16 year old summer job to, uh, you know, most people were trying to find these internships and jobs, whether it was elementary school, high school, college. And I was always looking for ways to make money or gain experience that were more out of the box. So anything from uh, my neighbor and I started a camp one summer in our backyard. And that was, you know, I was, it was actually quite comical. We ended up running this successful (laughs) summer camp all summer long. And it was like a three day a week job and we were making a ton of money and working with all these kids. Yeah. So it's, I, I'd like to think it was something that I grew up kind of set up for success. Maybe, um, one of my favorite childhood anecdotes is that I always wanted to do a lemonade stand when I was young, as I'm sure many young children (laughs) enjoy doing, but my dad 
was actually was like, no, you don't do a lemonade stand. That's a waste of your time. I was probably like six or seven. It's a waste of your time. <laughs> you won't make any money. Think about it. Like we have, you know, X number of neighbors. Even if you gave each of them a lemonade cup, you wouldn't make any money. Why don't you go door to door and offer to wash people's cars? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it's again, it's a funny family story because my mom is like, oh, oh, for God's sakes, like she's six, just let her, let her do the lemonade stand. <laughs> but I ended up doing this car wash and made like a couple hundred dollars as a again, six or seven year old. So those are just small little stories. I think entrepreneurship is slightly in my DNA somehow, but sure, um, the real passion for this venture started uh, really in college. I found out that I was gluten intolerant. I've always been very health conscious. So I was raised uh, very, very healthy. My dad was always on the forefront of health trends. So we kind of avoided dairy and my sister was allergic to peanuts. So we never had fast food and we were always kind of eating, I would say much more health consciously than other people only, what was that, 20 or so years ago when we were growing up. So um, always been very healthy. I am super active. So I played three sports in college and competitive basketball my whole life. And I ran cross country. So still to this day running um, like four or five times a week. So all these things were, again, deeply rooted in just who I am as a person. But uh, sophomore year of college, I found out that I was gluten intolerant and I was living on campus as a sophomore at Wake Forest University. Um, and I've always been very interested in cooking. And again, that's just something for as long as I can remember loving to cook and helping my aunts and uncles with various holiday meals and love just love spending time in the kitchen concocting and playing with recipes. (laughs) Um, And when I found out that I was gluten intolerant, I something just clicked and I started coming up with gluten-free alternatives that were not only gluten-free, but also healthier versions of my favorite recipes. So anything from, smoothies that tasted like milkshakes to like chicken tenders that had almond flour or cookie dough made out of chickpeas, all Mm -hmm. these different recipes that um, I was playing around with and I just had them for fun and I'd go home from college and make them. I was always the designated cook of my family uh, when I went home for breaks. And um, when I studied abroad in Florence, we lived in an apartment downtown Italy, well, downtown Florence. And um, my fr- I lived with an amazing group of girlfriends. And we all just tried to make an effort to kind of cook during the week so that on the weekends, you know, we were traveling and eating out and just doing all those fun things, spending money. So it was always a goal of ours to cook in our apartment. And again, just was playing around with food. And long story short, when I was taking entrepreneurship and marketing classes as a senior, I had had all these recipes and ideas and I was taking this entrepreneurship class and just suddenly felt this inspiration to share the recipes uh, with people that were like-minded, wanted to eat healthy, but not cook these elaborate recipes. Um, So with the help of 
uh, an entrepreneurship professor and really just using what I was learning in school, I decided to launch a food blog. So it was pre even influencer times where I, you know, there was, there were not as many people as there are now that were doing like recipe Instagrams and blogs. Uh, but I ended up doing just that and I launched what was called Slender Seven. And the, the concept was all healthy recipes that used seven ingredients or fewer. Mm. And that was the college. I wouldn't even call it a project because it wasn't required or anything, but it was the college passion project that ended up being the foundation for PS snacks when I graduated from college in 2014. Wow. You never would have thought that just your own personal interest and your own personal experiences would have led to, to that. Exactly. So one of the things, you know, I tell people now is one of the reasons I think that this brand and business is really special is that it's not, you know, it's on a team of food scientists and the story isn't crafted. It's actually just me, a 26 year old passionate health enthusiast with literally no food background, but I saw an opportunity in the market to come up with these healthier sweets that can satisfy your sweet tooth, but also actually add nutritional value to your everyday. Uh, And that's really the foundation for PS Snacks. So when I decided to turn the blog into an actual brand of packaged goods, I wanted a brand, unlike the name Slender 7, which was a little bit ambiguous, I wanted a brand that really emphasized what I believed made our products special. And that's the fact that we use these unconventional or atypical ingredients to turn something familiar that's typically unhealthy into this versatile, any time of day snack that you can actually feel good about eating. So the PS, it's like, by the way, it's actually made with beans in this case, our first product line, which is the cookie dough made out of chickpeas and black beans. And that's, and I think when we talked um, a while back, you were talking about, you wanted, you know, like you said, you wanted that to be a snack that people could have all the time. So it could be for, for breakfast, it could be before a workout, it could be for your kids lunch, it wasn't just gonna be limited to, you know, an after workout, um, you know, snack or a, kind of a luxury snack. Exactly. So I've been very adamant with my brand positioning and how we communicate the product to people that this is not a dessert. It's mostly intended to be a snack, but because it tastes just like cookie dough and there's chocolate chips in there and you're, you feel like you're indulging in a sense, uh, you get the emotional benefit of like eating this raw cookie dough. But then when you look at the nutritional profile and you look at the ingredients and you learn more about the various uses usages that we encourage for the product, it's like, Oh wow. Like this is actually a lot better for me than, you know, something that I typically eat for breakfast or that protein drink that's too high in sugar or, you know, that bar that kind of gives me a stomach ache, whatever it may be. The thought process that we came up with a solution where you can feel good about enjoying what you're eating any time of day. As you mentioned, for breakfast, pre or post-workout, as a midday snack, something that you can eat around 3 or 4 o'clock at your desk. You can eat it as a dessert. You can add berries to it, granola. You can put it on your yogurt. Super versatile. And I think that that not only makes it functional, but it just makes it really fun. 
Absolutely. Well, and I think you, so, you know, chickpeas are so trendy right now. And probably you were probably making this recipe recipe way back then, back when you were in college. So that was way before chickpeas yes. <laughs> became so trendy. And now exactly. you kind of hit a market where everybody's using chickpeas and black beans and lots of different recipes. Exactly. And again, I think what is near and dear to my heart is that it's not necessarily like, Hey, we use chickpeas, but it's more like, Hey, this is cookie dough. It's actually good for you. And you can eat it for breakfast if you want. And please feel free to look at the label because you're going to be pleasantly surprised by the fact that chickpeas and black beans make up actually 65% of our recipe. So it's really the shock and awe effect as well as the surprising pleasantly surprised nutritional value um, that's that I'm really trying to go for, which is another reason why the PS uh, we branded it as PS snacks for the consumer packaged goods because of this important message that I'm trying to convey kind of at the end of the pitch, like, Hey, by the way, it's made with beans. And that's just part of it. It tastes great. Otherwise it's great. (laughs) Feel good. Look at the ingredients and mm-hmm. be pleasantly surprised. Well, and I think that's why it resonated with me on um, seeing your products on Instagram, just because I know a lot of dietitians and a lot of health conscious enthusiast people do. They love your product. I mean, I see it everywhere. And I think that's how we got connected by just by me following following that. And so I think you're resonating just even with other professionals and their personal take on you use real ingredients. You you just have a product that's that's pure and that's good. Exactly. And that is the goal, uh, not just with these products of the cookie dough, but really any potential product moving forward is, I mean, to be honest, I want someone to be like, oh, I could probably recreate this. Like, yeah, go, you know, that's the point. Like we're not, the point is not to recreate it, but the point is to have these ingredients that are identifiable, common. Um, but this product is particularly made for people that are active, busy, on the go, traveling, have kids, have jobs, are fitting as much as they can into this 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. day. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they'd like to make their own, by all means, right. you know, <laughs> go for it. But sure. we have a solution where for the health conscious, active, busy individual, you know, you can feel good about buying something. It's minimally processed and packaged in a way that's really conducive for that portable snacking. Well, and and snacking, I mean, that's like the trend right now too, just from, you know, a marketing perspective, correct? Like snacking is where it's at. Yeah. So funny story, The uh, we originally only had the 12 ounce container. So for people listening, we have the three ounce cups and 12 ounce containers. I originally only had the 12 ounce. And I remember I was doing a whole food sampling down in Washington, DC and uh, a younger woman in workout clothes walked by and she's like, Oh my God, I love this, but I can't buy it anymore because I eat the whole 12 ounce container. (laughs) And I like, you know, pause for a second. And I'm like, huh, that is I guess a good problem, but also not a good problem. And that was really the inspiration to launch the three ounce portion cups as a, not only a portable on the go snack, but it's perfectly portioned for that portion control. 
which is important. I mean, that's important to me too. So it made sense. And those three ounce cups have actually become the bread and butter of our product line. They are perfect for our types of consumers that we're targeting. And I just think that they make a great option that's conducive to snacking, which again, is really the goal here. So when you think about, you know, I guess a lot of people, you know, everybody has these genius ideas. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put out a product. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. How does someone start that process to even think about putting a product on the market? Well, that's a good question. Uh, It's kind of crazy to pause sometimes and just think back on all the little steps that I took when I first started to really get this thing up and running. Uh, At the time, maybe it felt so meaningless where now looking back, I'm like, wow, that was actually really important. Um, I would say the best thing that I've done still to this date is just network like crazy. I've tried to surround myself with people in the food industry or relevant industries that are older, smarter, more experienced, maybe better in an area. For example, like operations is not my forte. So I've been trying to surround myself with people that have the operations experience because when you surround yourself with people that have done this before, it's a lot easier to pick up the phone or shoot an email over to someone and just ask them, Hey, you know, how did you figure this out when you were in my position? Um, I've just learned that at least from my type of learning, it's, I'm such a people person that I'd rather learn from others as opposed to, figure it out in a way that may be inefficient or go look on Google or things where I guarantee the answers are not always there (laughs) or not clear Um, or not clear. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, um, you know, hindsight is all 2020. There's a lot of things that I probably would do differently, but a lot of things that I am very appreciative. I had the opportunity to, do um, anything from like the fact that I started at this shared commissary kitchen space in Washington, D.C., which there were a lot of growing pains, but it really forced me to know every in and out of the product, be really immersed in the D.C. market, learn from others. Um, I was doing this by myself, like completely by myself. So being in a community of food entrepreneurs really helped just my mental sanity and like the well-being of myself, but also my business. So, um, you know, I don't think there's one right answer to that question. What can you do to get started? But for anybody, I would recommend set your goal. Uh, make sure you're 100% passionate about it. Because again, as we spoke about earlier, if you're not, it's so easy to get burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then start networking and figuring out what is the most relevant first few steps you can take to actually get this up and running. I'm kind of curious about the community kitchen. Can you talk to me a little bit yeah. more about that? Sure. So uh, it's called the the kitchen that I worked at was called Union Kitchen. Um, so I moved home when I graduated from Wake Forest. I moved home to 
my parents in the Maryland suburbs of Washington, D.C. And I was working on the business plan. And really, that was the start of my networking, just asking around to see, like, should I rent a kitchen space? Should I build one? I had no idea. (laughs) Um, And I stumbled upon this kitchen space called Union Kitchen, which they call it, it's a culinary incubator or a commissary kitchen. So just really a a shared licensed facility where food startups can operate with lower barriers to entry than normal. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a very random coincidence, but three of my classmates from Wake Forest had graduated at the same time as I did. And they had moved to DC to start a food truck and they were working out of Union Kitchen. So wow, they're actually now three of my best friends, but I, we have this Facebook message that I have saved because it was like, hi, like, I'm Nikki Azera. Like, <laughs> just the funniest little Facebook message to these random young men that I had never really spoken to in my entire life. Uh, but I learned that Union Kitchen could be a really amazing option for me to get started. So I ended up joining there in January of 2015, it was, and was able to hit the ground running. Essentially, it's just a facility that enabled me to actually produce and sell product to retail stores. Okay. Because it was all certified and it was... One of those kitchens yes. that you have to prepare your food in. That's really exactly. awesome. I didn't know that really not, existed. Yeah. And they're popping up all over the country now. You're really not legally allowed to make it in your like home kitchen. Yes. Yes. Uh, which I remember people were like, so do you make this at home? I'm like, <laughs> I wish. No, I actually no. work out of a, a real facility. But um, yeah, so it was amazing. And then quickly grew out of it. And it... Again, there was a lot of growing pains while I was there, whether it was freezer capacity, production capacity, uh, distribution capacity. So it, I just remember there being this inflection point. Actually, it was a huge deal. We got picked up by a major distributor and the first order was so much larger than any other order I'd ever made that I had... I kid you not, like 25 friends come in over eight days to help crank out thousands and thousands and thousands of containers of dough. Oh my goodness. Um, And I remember like I pulled an all-nighter, which I never even did in college. So it's comical, but I pulled an (laughs) all-nighter and that night I was like, yeah, this is not like, this is not going to (laughs) work. I I need to, I need next step. The business plan. Um, and that, through the business. Yeah, I was like, that. this is just not working. But all right, we can check that off the list. We've grown out of this spot. So it's a lot of learning on the fly. Um, again, I feel like a lot of times I don't even stop and realize really how far You've come. I've come. Yeah. Uh, even I mean, honestly, that was last April. So it really wasn't that long ago. No, but it's 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 good to talk about that, like how fast things can change when you do yes. launch a product or because I'm assuming that, you know, when you first started debuting your product, did you I mean, where did you go? Did you go to retailers first or did you go to like farmers markets or how did you kind of start getting the word out about your product? Yes, it's a really good question. I started um, I started with 
some like local events and then I joined a farmer's market in Washington DC so it was actually right on the the mall which was oh, wow. really cool but I also realized that our the product it's not really a farmer's market type product it's definitely like a retail product um so I started going to some of the retailers locally in DC and at the time I had been warned against whole foods just because you know people talk about how they're a beast and you need to make sure you can fulfill and this and that so being obviously very I had no experience mm-hmm. um I I was like okay well yeah, I guess I mean that makes sense it sounds like I mean whole foods that's a huge deal sure. uh, so I started going after like smaller retailers, which there really aren't that many in DC, but I did get into this chain of stores called Yes Market, which is a local DC organic, natural and organic chain. Um, so that was really the first retail opportunity that we got. And within a few months, I actually had someone from Whole Foods reach out to me because they had heard about the product and wanted me to pitch. So, wow, that's exciting. Yeah. So that was great. And honestly, Whole like Whole Foods was not a beast in <laughs> the way people that people had shared with me. Um, so it, again, just all like learning experience. Whole Foods was great just because it's so streamlined. People go in there all the time. It's a lot easier to find your product. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just a lot of like store to store and I got into two Whole Foods to start. So it wasn't like, okay, you're in Whole Foods, like every store in the country. And I'm still not. It still is a really difficult process. But my customer shops at Whole Foods. So on the selling side of things, getting into Whole Foods made life a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean... Originally to start out, it was these handful of retail stores. We were in a chain of smoothie shops that were local and a lot of farmers markets, events and selling on college campuses. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea, too. I never would have thought of that. Yes. That one was huge. We did a... I guess it was actually a little farmers market on the Georgetown University campus. It was a really good way to get brand awareness and start building out the product line. So you were spending a lot of time out in the field. (laughs) So so much, so (laughs) much time in the field. I just, my, the miles I put on my car at the time too, were absolutely crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's the thing is, you know, again, there's, it's a double-edged sword. So the fact that I was in, let's call it like 10 stores it was great because I would go and do sampling and I would go and check in and I would go and talk to people. Like it was very saturated. Uh, I was focusing on this one area. There was 10 stores, but when you focus so much on like one little area and 10 stores and micromanaging that, then you forget about like the business growth and how you need to expand beyond that and what you can do to kind of take a step back and, focus more on the business and be in the thick of it all the time. So that was a huge learning experience for me. And there was a time where when we started to get into so many stores, it was like, okay, 
I actually moved to New York. So I'm like, okay, I don't need to be micromanaging this anymore. And I need to go somewhere where I can focus on the growth of the business. And that's, and I think that's great as an entrepreneur, you still have to keep thinking ahead and thinking, you know, you can't be the person that does everything and you have to delegate. Exactly. I mean, I remember I was even, if like the Whole Foods Foggy Bottom was, had sold out because it was sold so fast, like I would go deliver it myself and not even <laughs> be like, okay, I, I don't even, you don't have to pay me for this even. I just need to make sure that this is stocked. So it was a lot of, you're right, like, I took responsibility for everything and I wasn't delegating and I wasn't growing in the way that I should have been. Um, so it's, it was totally a double edged sword. And I think there's always, that's the one thing I've, I've learned about entrepreneurship, even to this day is there's, it's always a chicken and egg scenario. So something's got to give a lot of times it just takes me giving up some sort of control to move the needle. That's, I like I like the analogy the chicken and the egg because <laughs> it's, it's constant. Yeah, I bet it is. It's like, well, like I need to do this, but in order for me to do that, that needs to happen, but that can't happen until this happens. So it's just like that's constant. <laughs> so now, do you you obviously have employees now? I'm assuming. Yeah, so I actually only have part time employees. Um, I've outsourced more than I I had outsourced last year. So that helped further the growth of the business by a ton. So we've outsourced manufacturing and I have a large distributor. So the fact that the production is off my hands and I no longer deliver myself to stores is <laughs> good. Huge. <laughs> um, I'm, I've been working with a lot of part-time help who have been extremely impactful uh, with sales support. So helping me, whether it's with the like brand, mostly like brand ambassadors or helping Mm -hmm. with uh, the kind of customer service. And we get a lot of sample inquiries. So it was just like filtering through that and organizing samples and events and things where that's the key to building the brand. In my opinion is just having the product in front of as many different people as possible. Um, we can't always be there, but usually the product can. So we'll send cups to yoga events or to office buildings or things where it's a great way to build the brand and doesn't really require bodies. Um, so I have a couple of brand ambassadors and my mom helps, I would say more than part-time. She's been amazing considering that's that she great. also has a full-time job. She's still yes, working. So that's... Gosh. <laughs> Yeah. So that's been amazing. And then I'm entering the phase where probably at the end of the summer, I'll start to hire people full time. Gotcha. So you're kind of contracting a lot of your stuff out right now. Yes, exactly. Well, that's really exciting. I mean, to think of how far you've come in a short period of time. I mean, that's very encouraging for people that do want to start something like this. Definitely. I mean, I think there's. Sometimes I even look at my peers and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm not moving as quickly, but everyone has a different business model. I think it's really important to not compare yourself to others and just take it at the pace that's the best for your business. So for me, um, you know, I, we're, I'm doing a lot of tweaking of things behind the scenes. So 
yes, I'm purpose purposely not in California yet in stores because I have to get my ducks in a row with what I'm doing here before I really work on expanding. So that's a, that's a hard part is I get super excited. I mean, we have demand all over the country, but it takes a lot of patience and discipline to know that, okay, just because someone keeps asking you about when is this going to be in Arizona, you just have to put your priorities in order and try and communicate that as best as possible to the consumers. But unfortunately, there's so much that happens behind the scenes that no one really knows about and they won't know about until, you know, we have, we hit these larger milestones. Mm-hmm. Well, and we live where, you know, we have everything at our fingertips pretty much at any time. So I think you're right about consumers. They're like, well, we want it now. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, like, but you're in the Whole Foods in DC. Why aren't you in Seattle? I'm like, well, it doesn't really work that way. And I'm trying so hard, but it's just like, there's a lot of things I'm working on right now. Sure. So it gets, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot. And again, chicken and egg always. Mm-hmm. I want to be in Seattle just as an example, but I have a very, very clear to-do list in the next few months of things that are taking greater priority before I work on national expansion in the way that everyone will have access to the product in stores. Well, and I kind of, I feel like you're such, you're so passionate about your product that you want to make sure you're very mindful of how it starts to filtrate the United States. So you don't want to just toss it out there and then not be able to handle the situation because you do believe in your product so much. Exactly. And there's just so many pieces of the puzzle that need to be in the right order for a national rollout to really take off. Um, I, I think, again, it requires more people on my team and the right infrastructure and just little things that need to be tweaked, which is exactly what I'm working on ironing out right now. Um, so it's, you know, I try it through social media and through the different ways we communicate with our customer, try and just ask for patience and support and excitement and really start generating that buzz so that when it does get to the West coast, for example, people will know about it and we'll be able to, deliver the best possible product to them when it's best for us. And you can always order your product online, correct? Yes, you can order it online. Um, The frustrating obstacle for me is that it is a refrigerated product. So naturally, there's a little bit more difficulty sending it as it has to say refrigerated. But um Customers right now can order it online nationally. The shipping cost is a little bit expensive, just at the size of our business right now. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. But working again to not only decrease shipping costs if you order online, but to make the product more accessible in stores so that it's much more affordable for everyone. Well, that's exciting. I think I was going to ask you, like, where do you see your business the next year? But I think you kind of answered that with, you know, you're kind of going to start. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) There's going to be a lot happening in the next year. So I'm very excited uh, on the branding front and accessibility. So lots, lots of stuff going on this summer that will hopefully start laying the groundwork for some major growth over the next 12 months. 
What's your favorite flavor of your product line? I'm just curious because I like all of them, but <laughs> thank you. I would say I always tell people the chocolate chip because that's my baby. That's the original recipe. Um, that's the one that I created. So it's kind of funny because that recipe I created to make a healthier and gluten-free option to my mom's blondies, which is a f- kind oh. of family. Yeah, favorite recipe that we had. Um, it uses almond butter because my sister's allergic to peanuts. It's gluten free, sure. obviously. And my dad is like a cho- chocolate chip addict. <laughs> so <laughs> chocolate chip cookie addict. That's his weakness. So it was some it was the recipe that satisfied the needs of my entire family. Um, so I think that one is in, the most near and dear to my heart and really the product that put us on people's radar. So I would say that's my favorite. I love that story. I think that's... I'll think of that every time I eat it now. I'll be like, oh, kind of Nikki's family. Yeah, it's, for, it's made for everybody. That's so cool. That's really cool. Well, I'm excited about... I know that there's a lot of dietitians that probably will listen to this that also are fans of your products. So I think that it's great to hear your... to share your story because I never knew there was such a great story behind the brand. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. I appreciate you interviewing me. It's nice to be able to share this with the masses. Well, and I think that that's the one thing when I talked to you earlier that I really connected with because you initially said you were like, I just want people to know why I'm so passionate about my product and how it's just not an every another product. There's really some great, there's some great things behind it. So I think it's good to hear the story behind a product because people resonate with that. Definitely. And I think that's what makes it special too. I know a lot of founders who have awesome stories. Um, I think that's one thing that I love about the food industry, uh, especially with these smaller startups, not only seeing how much people grind, but just the fact that someone had this aha healthy moment where yeah. <laughs> it inspired them enough to actually add value to the food industry. Um, I really gravitate towards people that have this similar passion and interest in health, wellness, and food. So I love, again, love my job, but also just think that telling the story makes the product a little bit more differentiated as well. I agree. When I hear the story on products, I'll buy that product. I know I will because right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so drawn into, you know, what's behind the scenes. And if someone can tell me a story, I will, I'll be all in. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's what makes it special. You know, it's not like a Nestle crafted cookie dough. It's actually this very purposeful recipe that started because I love sweets, but I am also so healthy. So how do you find that balance? And then realizing that like, okay, if I'm in the market for this, there's got to be more people that are feeling the same way. Um, I love being able to, I mean, to your point earlier, it's not glamorous like 98% of the time. Um, (laughs) There are certain things that are really fun and amazing and incredible. I would say every day is invigorating in some sense, but glamorous 
definitely not in my vocabulary most of the week. <laughs> well, that's good to know, even though you make it seem glamorous. <laughs> I, I, I try. I try to make it like everything's calm and cool. <laughs> well, I have a few fun questions for you because sure. I always like to talk to people about food. So what is your favorite food? So my favorite food, this is like the probably the lamest answer ever, but I have a sweet potato obsession. Do you? Well, if you like sweets, that's yeah. a great vegetable to kind of segue yes. into the sweet. Sweet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I love roasted sweet potatoes. Um, I love like if I were to have fries, which I don't really have that often, but I'm like, all right, give me the sweet potato fries. Um <laughs> I love, I, I get the Daily Harvest smoothie subscription. Of course, oh. my favorite one is the one that has sweet, potato, sweet potatoes. Yeah. Um, I will order that as any side dish. I, it's just like one of those things where it's my go-to. Um, I probably could live on a stranded island just eating sweet potatoes. <laughs> Then we'll, we'll remember that if you ever get stranded on a desert island, we'll yeah. send you a whole place. Send me a few potatoes and we'll be good. The only problem is that they're just such a pain to cook sometimes. Oh, but I know. I know. I have I have found my tricks to make it easier. Have you? Do you have a good trick? Uh, yes, I have two good tricks. The first is shred. Like if you shred them. Um, almost like a, you know, you would like shred cheese. Oh, if yeah. you shred the sweet potatoes, it almost makes like hash browns. And then if you cook oh. them in the skillet, it's just so much easier to cook them raw. Um, my second trick is to cube, like if you're making roasted sweet potatoes in the oven, mm-hmm. cube them, boil them first slightly oh. so that they're softer before you roast because it just doesn't in that case it doesn't take like an hour to do it that's a good idea i i might the best or the best trick of all the best trick of all is like put them in the oven and then actually go do something so you're not waiting around because <laughs> it takes a long time <laughs> it takes so long i like the idea of shredding it i'll have to try that i haven't had that before yeah it's really good it's good for breakfast too with eggs yeah that would be really good uh what is your favorite beverage my favorite beverage is definitely coffee. Um, I'm a sucker for coffee. I'm actually, I remember my dad being like, are you addicted to coffee? <laughs> like, no, actually, I can go without it. I just really like the routine of drinking coffee. That's something I think I get from my mom. She's she taught my sister and I that a good cup of coffee is is the best way to start the, the morning. Day. I like that. Um, I especially like when I go to coffee shops and find like the homemade almond cashew milk or like a homemade coconut milk or just really those like good nut milks or homemade milks that just add so much to like a latte or something. I try not to do any like gross fake milk yeah so no yes i'll just drink a black coffee if that but um yeah and then i'm like a big sucker for kombucha as well are you kombucha so do you have a favorite brand um so actually one of my best friends started a kombucha company also out of wake forest um but she's local down in north carolina so 
I love being able to, when I go down there to Charlotte and Winston-Salem in that area, I always get that brand. But for the most part, I usually stick to like health aid. That one, I haven't tried that one yet. I need to, I see it everywhere and I need to try it because I heard people love it. The carrot orange ginger is super Mm -hmm. good and it's not too sweet and it's, it just makes you feel really good. (laughs) That's why you drink it, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I love it. I honestly, since drinking kombucha, I mean, I try not to drink it every day, but since incorporating that into my, diet so to speak mm-hmm. um i re- i've like ne- i don't even remember the last time i drank a soda it's just one of those things like the bubbly and the slightly sweet it really satisfies that craving i agree it's perfect it's absolutely perfect do you have a favorite scent yes um my friends actually always make fun of me cuz when we lived in college in our dorm room i'd always have that like strong vanilla cookie candle <laughs> sweets going the sweet yeah exactly um i actually did a candle making class in charleston a few months ago which was really cool but oh fun uh, and yes i was actually with all my friends and they're like of course you would choose this flavor <laughs> for this scent um yeah i love like vanilla um that like what is it we have some really good, like the nest candles, all of those aromatic, like slightly sweet, but also kind of like tobacco-y. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that. My mom always sends us with like fruity smelling candles. I'm more of the like sweet kind of wintry scent. Yeah, those are good scents. I'm not a big fruit fan either, but I do like the vanilla kind of undertones and yeah and like like citrusy coconut like anything definitely sounds a lot like my smoothies actually (laughs) (laughs) but i love anything in that that area do you have a favorite color um that's a good question i would say i love like clothes wise neutrals um, like the taupe and the white and the kind of black and the gray, but um, I love—I don't know—that's a—that's a tough I one. I love like one. bright, yeah, blues. Um, when I was younger, like my favorite color was pink. So sure. I wear a lot of neutrals, but I also love actually the my favorite recipe. I mean, my favorite product, the chocolate chip cookie dough that we have. That blue. I was just I thinking of that. that. One. I made that one blue <laughs> on purpose because I love that color. Like a little aqua. Actually, the color of my nails right now, too. Like a light blue aqua. Just very, very happy. Yeah. yeah. What brings you joy in life? Uh, so many things. Well, the first is friends and family. Um, I'm definitely a big people person. So having those relationships are just really important to me. Uh, I think that I just have an amazing support system in my life, whether it's family, friends, um, and those relationships just bring me so much joy. They've also been great little outlets since I do work somewhat by myself quite a bit. Having Special relationships, extremely important. That brings me a lot of joy. 
Um, and then I would also say my job, which is a great answer <laughs> since we've been talking <laughs> well, quite good. a lot about this. Yes, that brings me a lot of joy. I think just everything um, that falls into the the job, whether it's meeting people, like being able to talk passionately about what I do, um, the learning, both personal and kind of like from a business sense that brings me a lot of joy. And then traveling. I absolutely love traveling. Um, I really, I mean, aside from friends, family, and kind of the people in my life, I, I would say traveling brings me the most joy out of anything. You sound, I think we might be twins. <laughs> I love it's all hard not to. <laughs> I, well, it's so great. I mean, I always say, if you have good people and good places to go, you're kind of bound for happiness. Oh, that's that's great. I love that because that's so true, I think. Yes. I don't need much, but those are two things that I absolutely value and couldn't live without. Aw, well, that's great. Well, I, Linky, I love talking to you and I'm so excited to follow the rest of PS Snacks journey and your journey because I think it's going to be Thank really Thank you so exciting. much. And have a great vacation. Thank you. I will. You probably won't even know I'm gone. I'll be working. <laughs> You'll still be working. Working remotely. Yep. <laughs> I'm excited. And I really appreciate you including me on this podcast. Really excited to share it with people as well. Yeah, it'll be great. It hits a lot of great similarities that I think people love your product. So it'll be fun. Awesome. Nikki is someone we can all learn from, especially her devotion to her passion and all the work she puts into something that really means a lot to her. If you haven't tried PS Snacks, I highly recommend you do. I always have a few containers in the freezer for when my sweet tooth acts up. You can order her products at PS Snacks. It's ps-snacks.com. And also Nikki is graciously doing a giveaway in conjunction with her podcast. You can enter online on my website, annelizabethrd.com, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at annelizabethrd. So make sure to enter this week to win. Winners will be announced before the next podcast. While you are entering the contest on my website, annelizabethrd.com, you can also read my latest weekly wisdom blog post where I share my current adventures, food I am eating, the music playlist I create for my fitness motivation, and I might possibly include a really delicious real deal recipe. I try to include something I am using myself and loving right now as well. You will find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with my favorite people. And you can also purchase my book from the website. Please connect with me on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters. 